Hey, this is Brendan Gersall, and you are listening to the Speaking Of podcast. Today, I sit down with a friend of mine named Tia Bailey. He is an artist known as 180. He's a rapper here in the East Coast of Canada. Fantastic artist, fantastic rapper with an incredible story, and he's just an incredible guy, and I have a great conversation with him today. I know you're going to enjoy it. Before we jump into that, I just want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. I want to thank you for journeying along with me this year. It's been a ride. It's been a journey. We've had a ton of fun and it's been a great, great experience to build this podcast. And I'm excited uh, to get into a whole new season of talks and conversations beginning in January. And so this is the last episode of 2020. And I just want to thank you for being part of it. And I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I'm excited to get back into a new season in the new year. But today, hey, our last episode of 2020, this is my conversation with Tia Bailey. Check it out. Well, cool, man. Uh, it is awesome to awesome to have you on. I, I wanted to first. I wanted to get just your story. I I've been around Atlantic Canada long enough and in church circles long enough to like. We've met a few times. Uh, familiar with your your ministry and your music, and have picked up bits and pieces of your story, but I've never actually heard it. Like I've never actually heard your testimony. Never actually heard like. I know, I know you, there was a time where you're a teen challenge and I want to hear like the whole, give, give me the, the, the 180, the full, the full 360 on 180. Yeah. In the story. Yeah, no, I, I, I grew up in Halifax. And so, um, I was raised by my, by my grandparents, uh, for the most part. Um, and, uh, yeah, I grew up in a, in a, in a community, um, North end Halifax. So it's a predominantly black community, um, and so just, uh, just, you know, all the stuff that, that, that comes with that, um, I was, I was privy to and a part of, um, the cool thing I always like to note because, um, a lot of times people look at some of the things that we do and, uh, and think that we must have come from, you know, good Christian stock, if you will, or, right. or whatever. Well, I actually had both sides, um, in my life growing up. So on my mother's side of the family, uh, which is the grandparents that raised me. Um, it was, you go to church every Sunday. Um, you know, there, if, if, if from the time you can walk, you have to join the children's choir or, you know, that's how you, that's how you pay for your meals. <laughs> you, you sing in the children's choir at the church. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was involved in that. But then on my father's side of the family, um, my grandmother on that side had nine sons, just boys. Um, and, and their their dynamic was very very different. They loved each other seriously and hard. Um, however, you know there wasn't a, there wasn't a godly factor in there outside of their mother. Right. Um, and so growing up, I got to see both sides of those things, and I'm I'm always very honest about how that impacted me because you know I've got these I've got these drug dealing uncles and and you know and pimping uncles and all of that, and then I've got this. Christian bunch of people that I see every Sunday right. and, um, and the two things weren't um, they weren't gelling for me the way that they should have, I guess, if that makes sense. So even, so I remember being seven years old and uh, it's crazy that this is the one story that still to this day always sticks out to me. But I remember being seven years old and I was in the foyer of our church and I heard one lady, an older lady go up to a younger lady and she said to her, you know, you shouldn't have been in the club last night. And even at seven years old, that struck me as, well, how would she know she was in the club last night? Right. Unless she was either in the club last night 
or talking about it. Right? Yeah. And it just like even as a kid, it rubbed me wrong. Like it really did. Like because it wasn't a, it wasn't a hey, you know, are you okay? Right. Maybe it was. It was you know almost like what are you doing here? I know you just got home. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and I read that quick, and so that really that really messed with me because on my father's side of the family, um, no matter what was going on or what they were doing, right or wrong, they always had each other's back, no matter what. Right. There's some things we'll address when we get home, but out here, yeah, I got your back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so as I grew up a little bit, that's what I gravitated to was was that side. Like you know, I I I, I had no reason to believe that God wasn't real. Yep. I just didn't really, I wasn't really feeling his people. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so, and I didn't know how to navigate that yeah. into a relationship with him without going through his people to get it. <laughs> I think that's where, isn't that where so many people, I mean, that's such a common place to get hung up because so many people see frankly more of who they, you know, believe God to be, believe Jesus to be in people who aren't even like self-professing Christians and then right. get exposed to hypocrisy or legalism and it, it sends them in the opposite direction entirely. Yeah. And so what I, what I saw was these, th this group of men who would all be under the same roof and just loved each other. Right. Unconditional. I don't care what you did before you got home. Which to me now, it's funny because I, I, I've told the story and, and it's funny to me because at the time, without knowing it, that's exactly what my walk with Christ is now. <laughs> like, I love you regardless. Like, you just, you know, but it's, it's, it's crazy sometimes to think about where I learned th those values. Yeah. yeah. Right. So anyway, I, uh, when, when, as I was getting older and it was time to start making decisions for myself, I started gravitating to what my uncles and my father would be doing. Uh -huh. Um, and so I got involved in a gang in Halifax really young. Uh, I was probably about 12 or 13 wow. and, uh, and we were stealing cars and, uh, and, and selling drugs. That was kind of our, was kind of our thing. The older guys used to, um, kind of work with us a lot, you know? Um, and so, uh, so yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of my thing. And, um, and I, I kind of grew up in that, that became, uh, my focus. I, I developed a close knit, we had a close knit group of guys, um, like I mean, it's crazy, Pastor. Like, like a lot. It's a lot of the, a lot of the same values I have now. Right. <laughs> I developed for all the wrong reasons. But yeah. anyway, um, but those those relationships were so so tight that like we just trusted each other. I knew that these guys were going to have my back. If if something went wrong, we had to run. I knew I wasn't running by myself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that was really my 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 childhood um was wow. that well it's, it's such a huge point man you're making because i think i think if you grow up in uh like a religious christian sort of bubble your assumption is that you know all the the godliness and the the kingdom activities found in here but the reality is you know family is god's idea loyalty yeah. is god's idea brotherhood is god's idea and those are like it's cool that you are seeing those values and like by the grace of God, honestly, you're in this pretty, uh, you know, on the, on the one hand, challenging childhood and difficult situation. But on the other hand, like you're telling me there's things, there's things God deposited in you. Oh, and then I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And then, cause people, people ask like everywhere I go, like I'll share my testimony. People ask me like, so what do you regret the most? And I'm like, nothing. I, I mean, there's some things that I wish I didn't do. 
Yeah, <laughs> of course. You know, everybody has that. Um, but I, I, I do believe, I, I believe in the scripture that talks about God working all things out to the good of those who love him and called according to his. I believe that, you know, so I believe that all of those things, like they had to happen for me to be who I am and where I am right now. Yeah. That's so, I mean, that you're preaching to people who need to hear that even now, like with 2020, like I'm, I'm convinced there's a time like, you know, the challenges that people have had, if, if given to God and given enough time, there'll be a time where you look back. Like, I'm glad that happened. I'm glad. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so encouraging to hear. So, so you're, you're in your teen years and yeah. like what, what landed you? Like, obviously you had a, a major, you know, not to, not to run with the, the name, but like you did have a, a pretty major, like 180 in that. Yeah. At a, Big so, time in your life. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the things that was really uh, impactful for me, because um, I'll, I'll get to the teen challenge piece real quick. Sure. Um, so, um, one of the things that that I also was I, I was good at poetry, and so I kind of flipped that into because you know I didn't want to run around the square yelling poems out because you know that just could get get me in trouble. So I I was like I got to figure out how to put put a beat behind this and use it right. And so so that's that's how that's how hip hop became my that's how rap became my thing. But um but yeah so I uh I remembered um I remembered you know doing that and and as I got a little bit older I uh I started traveling with that um and doing you know doing the music thing and one of the things that was always prevalent was after parties free drugs and so um but i i i felt like i I feel like now that i was so i was such a functioning person with it because my whole attitude was you know this is part of it so i handled it a little differently and it was you know it was normal you go you do the concert you go to the after party people give you all your gifts and then you know you you go to the hotel, get up in the morning, go to the next place, and do it again. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of my routine. And so one of the things that that happened was, you know, we would use drugs, and cocaine was my was my issue. That was my that was my issue drug. Um. And we would I would use it, and you know, and get up the next day and do what I had to do, um, in that party context. And so it never grabbed a hold of me then. So fast forward a few years later. Um, I was at work working a job in Dartmouth and a buddy of mine who I worked with, we had, we had a back shift. So we were working 12 midnight or no, we were working 8 PM to 8 AM. And our job was to sit in a truck and make sure cars didn't go on the closed bridge. Wow. wow. That was our job for 12 hours. When I tell you that it was the cushiest job in the world, like, I mean, we installed DVD players in the truck, in the work trucks and the owner was okay with it. Right. So we sat, we were sitting for 12 hours. And so one night he brought some cocaine with him and was like, you know, you want to do some. And I was like, I used to do that every night and it was cool. It was no big deal. So yeah, we got 12 hours to kill. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Instantly hooked. Like, to, like that, that next morning I went home, I didn't sleep. I went straight to the, I had bought more before we left. Like I had left the job site and went and got more that night. And what I had left with me that morning, I actually took home, and went downstairs in the basement and kind of started isolating myself down there instantly. Like it was, it was, it was quick, man. And so my wife, God bless her. Like at this point um, we had been dating and we had, were, you know, we're now married and, and she, she approached me on it and was just like, you gotta, you gotta figure this out, man. Like, uh, you know, um, 
when I, it's funny because I, I, I know I glow a little bit whenever I mention her because like the stuff she's been through, like I spent my, our, our first anniversary, I was in a re, I was in Teen Challenge. Oh wow. oh, wow. Yeah. Like, you know, and the fact that, you know, we, we just had our 10th anniversary just, uh, just this fall, you know, is, is really, it, it's really much more a testament to who she is than it is about who I am. 100%. Um, you know, but yeah, so anyway, I, uh, she approached me on it and, you know, I tried to, I tried to quit cause I'm, 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 I come from a big family, family matters to me a lot, you know? And when she, when she approached me on it, I was like, you know, okay, no problem. Right. Like if you're threatening to take my family from me, let's figure it out. I'll be okay. So I did. And, uh, I quit, but I, I didn't, like I, I'm a firm believer in the faith-based rehab idea, the the because of the whole model, the holistic model. Like you know, people say holistic and they separate God from that when they say that. But for me, that's the most important part of the holistic part. Because yeah, I still needed the counselor, I still needed the you know, I still needed the the time away, I still needed all of those things. But like I also needed a new default system. Right, right. You know, because when problems came up, my default system was to go use or go do drugs or, you know, or go do something I shouldn't be doing. And I needed my default system to become God. And I didn't know that at the time, yeah, but yeah. that's what it was. And so, yeah, when she approached me, they approached me about Teen Challenge because a buddy of mine had already gone through the program. And so it's funny, our family, the way our family works is if you can get Nanny on board with anything, you either do or don't have to do it based off of her and her, her decision. Right? right. So I went to Nan, like they came at me with this teen challenge thing. And like the, 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 the manual was about that thick and it had dress codes in it. And like four days a week, you got to wear slacks and a collared shirt and no hats. And I was just like, this ain't going to work for me. Like, I don't care. You know, I, like I, I'd rather just, I'd rather just go through it. Like I love my family and all, but this, right. <laughs> you know, and so I, uh, so I, I called my grandmother, right? And I'm just like, Nan, I don't think I can do that, you know? And, uh, at this point, I had already, um, I already had, had a suicide attempt under my belt, oh, uh, wow. because my, my attempt to quit using just forced me into depression quick because I didn't, again, like I said, I didn't have the new default. Mm-hmm. So now when problems came, I just piled them on, right? Like, you know, so it, even it, I, I remember the night that I that I attempted the suicide was I just had an argument with my wife. It wasn't even anything major, but it was just the tipping point. Like, I'm done. Right. And so, yeah, when they came to me with that, I, I called my grandmother and I'm like, man, I can't take no any more pressure right now. Like, I can't do this program. And I'm crying like I'm giving her that cry. Like, you know, when your parents mess up the, the Christmas gift. Yeah, and you yeah. need to call grandma for to get the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, or you got in trouble for something and you need to make that call and she needs to bail you out. You got kids. I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so, so I would, I called her and I gave her that one. I'm crying on the phone like, nanny, I don't want to do this program. It's too much. And she gave me what I needed. You know what, baby, you don't have to do that. And I was like, I win. So <laughs> a couple of days later, a buddy of mine who was at the hospital to kind of give me the whole team challenge information, he comes to me and he's uh, he he has he he says like look listen man like you know if you can get a pass from because at this point they had me in the Nova Scotia hospital is the mental ward uh, in Dartmouth and so he says uh, yeah like if you can get a pass I'll take you to church and I'm like yeah man let's do it because I've been going to church even up to this point like I'm still going to church 
Yeah. Right. And uh, so, so yeah, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So let's go. And so I go to church and that Sunday morning and they're talking about doing a food drive for teen challenge. It gets more, it gets worse. So I'm already like, oh man, like I, I know enough about God to know that I'm about to lose this argument. You know what I mean? Like something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I get back to the hospital and like, the way that they were talking about it didn't sound as crazy as the manual looked like note to others out there. If you're trying to help somebody, don't hit them with a novel first. Yeah. No kidding. Eh? Maybe have a conversation. Isn't, so, that what, isn't that what the church has done though? Like, isn't, like I mean, come full circle on what you're talking about earlier. Like that's, that's been half the problem with, with religion has been, we hit people with the, the, you know, the manual and the do's and the don'ts and not the relational, the love and the trust, yeah. and the, you know, so. Yeah. So they were talking about this, this, this organization that helps people get their lives on track and looks out for them and, and all of that. And I'm just like, doesn't sound half bad, but I'm like, I'm still not convinced either way. I'm gonna go back to the hospital. I called my grandmother every Sunday afternoon. That was, that's, that's still a rule to this day, right? Every Sunday afternoon I call in. So I get on the phone, I call Nan, and I'm like, Nan, you're not going to believe what happened to me this morning. She said, well, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Let me go first. Uh-oh. <laughs> she was at a whole nother church, and they were talking about partnering with the church I was at to get clothing for this food drive for Teen Challenge. Oh, boy. Yeah. And she says, you know, honey, it's not, it doesn't seem that bad. Like, you, you I, I think you should give it a chance. It's not... And so now I'm just like, all right, Nan, I don't even want to talk to you anymore today because, like, although I knew I was going to lose the argument, I thought I had a little more fight in me, right? Like, I can I can string this. I'm not just going to give God that that quick. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> right? So no joke. It gets deeper still. Wow. No joke at all. So I, I, I get off the phone with my grandmother, and a little later, I you know, I call my mom, and I'm just, you know, mom, what's going on? How's things? Well, you know, I was at, I was in church this morning. She go, my mother w w was a member at uh, Pastor Lennox Church in, in okay. Hammonds Plains. Yeah. Again, now we're at three different churches on this Sunday morning. Like, I can take a hint. I got it. Yeah. Right? And Pastor oh, Lennon was talking about this Teen Challenge program. And after the after the service was over, he came and talked to me about it and said it might be something for you. And I'm just like, all right, I give up. Like, I'll at least listen now. Right? So, anyway, I entered the program. And uh, and that's where, you know, the, the, the values that I had learned growing up right. interceded with who God actually is. Yes. You know, yes. and, and having that because I walk into this place and these guys are they they're meeting me for the first time and just loving on me instantly. And that wasn't about the relationship and the loyalty that I had built up with the guys I grew up with. That was just these are the same activity, like the same way of being. Yeah. But it's different. Right. You know, and, and so that was where I learned the difference in, you know, religion and relationship, I guess, if you will, you know. And 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 it really impacted things for me in a in a huge huge way, no and uh, and so my life coach and this is where I'll wrap up that part. My life coach actually, uh, Mark Pope. I still actually call him coach, man. But my life coach in the program, he had figured out that you know I was a big rap fan and that I liked to write and all of that stuff. And so every month in Teen Challenge, you get what's called a contract, 
And in that contract, you have to do a, a character quality lesson. You do a little book report. You do a Bible study. And then you'll get a portion of scripture that you're supposed to paraphrase. So basically put it in your own words yeah. so that yeah. you can understand it and you can kind of share it with somebody else. If you learn how to say it in your own way, you don't need the book in your hand. You can actually share it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he figured out that I loved rap music. So what he would do is every month on my on my contract, he would give me uh, my my paraphrase, if you will, would be a portion of scripture. And it would be, all right, write me, a, write me a verse for this, like write me a song for this or whatever. So for 12 months, because it's a 12 month program for 12 months, every month I was taking a portion of scripture and writing a song. Um, and so that kind of lit a whole new thing. Mm -hmm. right like okay like this is because at this point i'd only ever heard lecrae and i heard triple e and i was still a little bit amazed at the fact that you could actually even do that because right. right. i was like this, they're rapping man and and they're allowed like this is cool you know yeah, it's good, um, good. yeah so i was a little i was still kind of blown away by that but then um then he started doing that and it was just it was just it was it was special man like it changed because it gave me an outlet you know um i communicate best through that pen like i just i just do i i can't i can't explain it but i get through things yeah through yeah. music it's just how i you know and i know artists say that all the time but it's really a real thing like that's i can like my wife will ask me 10 times in one day like what's wrong with you and i'll say nothing 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 and really be trying to say that like you know inside i'm boiling up and i'm trying to figure out how to tell her without you know scaring her or hurting her but I can't get the words out. And then I'll come down here for an hour or two and, you know, there'll be three verses written in a half hour and I've recorded a song and I come back upstairs smiling, like, I don't know what happened, but you can go downstairs and listen, <laughs> you know? And so Mark giving me that outlet was, um, was something I didn't even know I needed. But by the time I graduated, I had a, I had, I had the Chronicles written. Mm -hmm. So my album was my first, my first little release was called the Chronicles. Okay. And that was, I had that written by the time I graduated the program. Wow. And wow. so, so Matt Barber, who's the director of the program now, he actually, so my first three projects I put out were, for, were all free uh, download projects and he designed all the covers for them, like to help me kind of get started. He's the one that started my Twitter account, like, so that I knew, cause I'm in the program for a year. I have no idea how things work. Right. <laughs> right? It, I know people say a year is not that long, but with technology, it actually really, really is, <laughs> you know. When was that? Was that 10 years ago? Yeah, well, I went into the program September 2010. I graduated September 2011. Yeah, like I was right around the peak of social media coming out and all that. Right, so yeah, Matt got me set up with all of that stuff. And then we just started putting out, putting out music, like just putting out free music. I knew in my heart that my thing was going to be, I wanted to, I wanted to share this new thing I had. But I'm also one of those work smart, not hard kind of people. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't want to just individually have to have this conversation with 100 people. Let me see if I can get 100 people in a room at one time and give it to them that way. Yeah. Right. And so it was I really started pushing for this thing. And so, yeah, that's that's the the you know, the the nuts and bolts of my testimony from where I'm from to how we how we launched. This is a beautiful story. Norman. Like you. You hear in that, like I hear so much about, like when I hear your story, like it makes me on the one hand really just enjoy you and your journey. But more than that, like as any good testimony should, like it should make us just say like, how, how good is God, you know, oh, that he pursued you 
that whole time. He knew, he knew how to speak your language. He knew how to set you up. And the coolest thing I was thinking as you were talking about is like, and maybe, maybe it's cause of the, cause of the, the name, uh, like 180, but you know, doesn't God, when he gets a hold of us is yes, he transforms us, but at the same time, it's more like he, he gets a hold of us and he changes the direction we're going and he allows us to still be us, the us that he made, you know? And it's like, you, you went from, uh, propagating this message to propagating a different message and, you know, still using the same talents and outlets that he designed you to use. And I've always said that, like, you know, I think about my life all right. You know, you think about like, 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 guy like Paul in the, in the new Testament, like he was pro- a proficient leader at being a jerk yeah. and then God gets a hold of him and he's this proficient leader in building the church. Right. It's like, I think God, God designs us with the full intention of, of getting a hold of us and setting us on a certain path. 100%. We just come to life in that. And I just hear that so much in your story. Like, just even that quick little synopsis of just how yeah. just set you up for that moment. Yeah. You had to listen though. You had to respond. Now he was very gracious in giving you the full, you know, multiple layered, Hey, you're going to teen challenge. You're going to go to teen challenge. You're going to need yep. to go to teen challenge, but he is, he is very gracious. Yeah. And I, I think in that though, was when was how I, how I learned to like, there's a lot of even 10 years later, like there's a lot of, value parts to that that i still that i still use i don't argue with god like i used to man like i don't have to like it or agree i just know that at this point now if i say yes then good it's 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 a lot easier than if i say no because you're going to do things now Mm -hmm. that are going to cause me to have to you know i always say that to people like you know for a lot of people they say you know once they follow once they started following christ it was the best thing that ever happened to them. For me, it became a ton of stress because right. now I'm like, I know you're going to get your way. Mm-hmm. And I might not like a lot of this stuff, man. Like a lot of things you're about to, you know, like my last album um, has a song on it called Have Mercy. And that song all came from a place of me struggling with pornography, mm-hmm. you know, and putting my marriage in jeopardy behind it, you know. And like I, I talk about it freely now yeah. because I've seen the impact that the song has had on people. But before that, that was scary, man. Like that was, you know, like I had a, a, a mentor of mine actually say to me, he said like, Tia, I just want you to know, like, I appreciate what you're doing with this song, but you need to know that there's going to be some people who you don't expect who are going to turn their backs on you. Yeah. There's going to be some people you don't expect who are going to come alongside of you and, and, and rock with you because of this, you know, he said, but you need to be prepared for both, you know, yeah. and I valued that. that. That to me was... Now, one of the biggest statements ever, like I actually, I actually had a pastor tell me, like, I can't believe I ever allowed you on my pulpit. And I'm like, whoa, like that's a big, I was like, that's a big hit, man. Like, you know, but I, but thankful to that brother, I was prepared for that conversation. And I just said, you know, thank you for your opinion that you have the right to have to feel that way, man. And I'm praying for you and your congregation because I guarantee there's some fellas sitting in your pews right now (laughs) that, you know, that you know, might need you to answer that a little differently, but yeah, you know, you're, 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 you have your right to that. And, and so I was able to kind of navigate that, but I say all that just to say that, you know, the whole reason that song came about was I was doing, I was mixing a project for another artist and I, I froze up. Like I just, I got blocked. And, um, and I always, I have a 15 minute rule um, where if I, if I'm trying to create and it's not coming, I'll just, walk away for 15 minutes, man, go pray, go, I'll go play a video game, whatever, just 
walk away from it. Your head. Yeah. And so th- in this particular time, I walked away and I, you know, went and sat and, and, and I was in prayer and I just, I just felt God. And I'm not one of those people that's like, God talks to me audibly and all of that. I believe it happens, but just not with me, you know? And, and I, uh, I, I, I remember sitting down and I was just praying and, and I heard God say, you got to go talk about that, man. Wow. Like he said, you, you know, and, and after he, after I heard that, like, and I actually heard it, like, it wasn't just a thought. Like I felt like somebody else was in the room, man, which was, yeah. which was, which was two sided for me. Like sometimes when God has to slap me with something, he has, he does it in a way that it awes me yeah. because he already knows I trust him and believe him. But he also knows that there's, again, like you said earlier, like he knows how to deal with us individually. That's right. You that's know, right. and, and for me, like, I feel things in my spirit, but like to, 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 to do something that's really, really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. he's got to come at me a little differently. It's got to be in a way where I'm like, whoa, okay, that's definitely you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mess with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Let's just go do it. And so. disruptive, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, but at the same time, I think you're, you're telling, you're telling me though, like you've, you've been obedient enough times and, and press through that, like, I've seen some stuff. Yeah, but you've got you you've pushed through that terrifying moment of putting that out there just because you know he told you to do that and like even counting the cost of yeah, there's gonna be some people turn on me through this, but at the same time have seen how you know one of the things I was I was just saying this to a friend today, you know, where Jesus says, you know, uh anyone who come after me must, you know, take up his cross and follow me. And then he talks about how, you know, anybody building before he does the project counts the cost. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus invites us to count the cost, he actually does want us to do the math. Yep. And it's going to cost me something to be obedient to him. You know, whether it's putting on the slacks four days a week and going to teen challenge for a year, or whether it's putting out that song about pornography and the real struggle that frankly, like every, every dude in every church at some level, whether it's overt online pornography, or it's just like checking out a girl at the gym, like don't even tell me that. Right pastor who kicked you off his stage doesn't have his own set of temptations and well it's funny man like it's funny i went back to my mentor on that and he said like we actually have to pray for this man more than we ever did he said because i kind of feel like it might be something that he's (laughs) you know and i was like i didn't even look at it like that but it allowed me to show so much grace Mm -hmm. because and i don't have a choice but to show grace because at this point man if you listen to my music that's what I'm coming for, man. Like I need it. <laughs> you know? because, like, I think if you ever get in that zone where, where we're not, if you don't see yourself in someone else's struggle and like where it's like, but for the grace of God, there go I, you're just in a dangerous zone. Yeah. But you know, all that to say about counting the cost, like he wants you to do the math to know that, like, think about it. Yeah. It's going to cost you something to put that out there, but it's going to cost me more if I don't. You know, that's right. yeah, going to cost me something to go to teen challenge, but it's going to cost me more if I don't. And like the, the return on the investment is just always better paying, yeah. the, paying the price to follow Jesus than it is to, to stay stuck in your ways or what have you. So right. it's man, crazy I, that you say that, man. It's crazy that you say that because that song have mercy is my third most successful single. I bet that I've ever put out. And it was a struggle mm-hmm. to do it. Like I wrote it. And then I didn't record it. I just, I, I'm being obedient. You said I have to write it. I wrote it, Lord. Now leave me alone. Okay, you know, it's right. like when, 
It's like when the, when you tell your kids to go clean their room, right? And they move everything into the closet. Hey, it's clean. All right. So I was like, I'm good. I'm done. You know, and then it was, all right, well, record it. And then I did that. And then it, then he took it a step further and was like, I felt it strong on my spirit. You got to shoot a video for that one. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So we did. And like to this day, like it's, it's been my, it's, it's, it's in my top three. Mm-hmm. most successful um songs singles um like streaming wise and sales wise and all of that like of anything i've put out i i think i mean and you're just you're just the tip of the spear on i think god wants to mobilize authoritative voices and frankly fathers in the church to deal with especially that that issue of pornography that frankly our our generation has had to deal with like sexual temptation in ways that no generation ever has. And frankly, we need to get victory and walk in that for our sons and our sons, sons. And, and so like, this is, this is, this is the time I think God is, God's going to flip the shades on all of it. And I think we need to, we need to embrace his, you know, not just his uh, desire to reveal it, what was going on behind the scenes, but his desire to heal it. And to actually give us give us some victory, whether that's through supernatural touch, accountability, whatever. Like, yeah, when when one of one of one of my pastors started actually telling me some numbers, and he when he was telling me the numbers, he was also saying that I'm being very generous as I say this, you know. And I remembered having that conversation, and I actually got mad. I was like, you know, so why isn't this more of a topic that we cover? Because like. I've been going through this for years by myself because I felt so much shame behind it because I was, you know, it's not something that we Mm -hmm. talk about or deal with. Like I, you know, and and so I just, I just, I'm always one of those people, man, that like, I'm, I'm nervous about some of the things God's going to ask me when I get to heaven and, and how I handled said situations. And some of them are stuff you're going to notice. So this is one of those for me. This is one of those, you know, you have an opportunity now. If it upset you so bad that nobody talked about it and you went through it and felt by yourself, what's your response? What are you going to do? Right. And so, well, yeah, I applaud you, man. And I think I think that's on the heart of God in this this time that he's going to call more and more voices in the church. Guys like me, guys like you to press through the fear of it and actually just let's talk about the elephant in the room that's affecting 99.9% of the dudes in here and probably 50% of the women at this stage in the game. So let's just, and that's, it's huge, man. But so like along those lines, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you're not somebody who's a stranger to having to put yourself out there in a, in a place where it's like, Hey, this is me. And I'm just, I'm not being, not even, not even like, I hate the term, like I'm being true to myself. Like it's, it's deeper yeah. than that. You're being true to who God's called you and created you to be. And that's put you, that's put you in some, some spots. Like I think about, you know, I've, I see, seen you rap at like in the Beulah Tabernacle being like the only black guy in the whole room, you know, rapping. Yeah. There's people there that want to hear the Southern gospel. And it's like, I just admire, and I've always thought of that about you is like, I just admire your conviction to to not just be obedient to who God made you to be, but like this is this is who I am, this is what I got, and I'm gonna use it for his glory. And it's really not whether about you know it's a room full of black people who who are like right in tune with me or not. I'm not doing this necessarily primarily for you. 
Right. You know? And that's been so evident, man, especially because I've, I've caught you in some of those streams where it's like, I'm sure it'd be easier to rap in a, in a club or in a, in a place yeah. where people are, people are getting, and I'm sure that'd be, that it just flow a lot better, but God's called him to this stage for whatever reason. And he's owning it. And I've just thought, man, I just admire that about you. What's your process? What's your, how, like, how have you formed that? Like God, where you go, whatever door you open for me, I'm going to walk through it. It's funny that, that you even say that because like, I, I even use it in job interviews where somebody will say like, you know, what are you, are you, cause I do sales, right? So how, how, how do we know that you will be a good salesperson with us? Listen, man, I'm a Christian hip hop artist in Atlantic Canada. There you go. There. Nice. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll wait for your call. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, but yeah, that, that, that is a little bit, um, that's a little bit easier to, to answer. I mean, the answer is not going to be um, politically or church co- correct, I guess, if the word, if the if the term is correct. But honestly, I grew up with a fascination of mob movies and mobsters and mafia figures. Grew up on it, loved it. Like still to this day, I'll watch a mob movie over anything else on TV. Right? Like, but what I got from that was again, you don't always have to agree but you have to do what's the best thing for the family. Mm. And this is no different for me. This is exactly how I approach this. Like it might not be the most comfortable thing for me, but this is the lane that God's called me into. And it's the best thing for the family at that time. So when you talk about like the Beulah Tabernacle and you talk about some of those small churches and, 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 and youth groups of five and 10 people, mm. um, when you talk about that, like I look back now, and I say, like, that was all God preparing and using me for such a time as this right now. Because now, when we're in a situation where um, churches and the Beulah Tabernacle and, and, and you know, and, and, and predominantly white churches and all of that, during the season that we're just, you know, fighting through right now, people were willing to listen to me because that, ground, that groundwork was already done. Yes. Of me knocking that wall down in those places, you know, where, you know, now I have a voice to be able to say, okay, well, let me come and share my perspective here. Let me share my experience because you know me, you love me, you know who I am. You've heard my story. You know where this is coming from. You know, it's authentic. So now that we have that opportunity, you don't have to go to CNN. You don't have to go to Fox. You don't have to go to anywhere else. I'm going to come to you. And I know we can have that conversation because- We've already laid that groundwork. That foundation's already there. And so I, at the time, of course, it can be, it can be hard. It can be exhausting. I'm pretty sure I've tried to retire from hip hop music three times, you know, like, but at the same time, like now when I look back, like, and and it's really just been this season when I've looked back, I'm like, man, like I get it. So I can't lie to you and say that the whole way through it's been, I know God what you're doing and I know that it's going to be, but right now I'm the most comfortable I've ever been in terms of, you know, having the ability to look at, you know, social injustice and look at, you know, where our society is and to speak on it. Honestly, I've never felt safer to do that, you know, because I know that people aren't going to take it as, as an attack, you know, it's, it's actually, Oh, that's, that's 180, man. Like that's that guy who stood at that table with me for an hour and prayed for my grandson. Right. You know, like that, Oh, that's that guy. Like he's not what I see on TV. Yeah. 
So if it's happening to him, this is a real thing. That's right. You know? Yeah. So like I remember the the round table you had with uh with Pastor Leonard and and yeah, Jeremiah and you had uh Matt. And, yeah, uh, like like that that for me, I was like that is so huge mm-hmm. because inside inside some of those churches, you know, people just like people know Leonard as the charismatic open black pastor, you know? Right. right. Um, but to see him on there speaking, like those are, those are heroes of mine. Like, you know what I mean? Those are people who will step out because of the, not, not, not at risk of the platform they have, but because of the platform they have will step out. And I, I, I never got a chance to tell you, man, but thank you. I, I, I'm trying not to get emotional, but thank you for doing that. I know that, a lot of people felt like they had to. And I know a lot of people were, you know, were making decisions because it was the right thing to do, but it was also still scary and difficult. And, and, and man, like, I just got to tell you, man, I was, I, I was at the cottage, bro. I, I got a data bill that would blow your mind. I was actually at Beulah when I was watching that. Like that, that was a special thing for me too. Like it was, um, you know, for me, I didn't feel like I had to do it in the sense of a political sense. It was a pastoral thing that I got, you know, I was seeing people comment on the George Floyd and, and what went down and seeing people in my own church, um, which is predominantly white. We do have like, we have quite a few like African families, yep. um, but not, not a ton of black people that have just grown up here in Atlanta, Canada. But I've been fortunate enough to have relationships and people I call friends that are that are black. And like I'm sitting here like on social media and stuff contrasting, you know, Matt Thomas and Leonard and and Bradford and, and what they're saying is real to them with some of my white, you know, congregants and friends who are like, you know, we don't know. We don't know, you know, what went on before George Floyd died and like like defending this. Right. I was like, man, there's a gap here and, and it's simply it's ignorance that the the relationship hasn't been there's they don't know any black people. So to yep. your point, it's like when these conversations start happening, you've already broken through and built a bridge and now right. we're in a position to it's like I I know I know Tia. Yeah. And if he says this hurts, then it hurts. Right. You know? I don't have well, to I don't have to understand it. I understand him. It's one of those things when you're when you're when you're in a relationship with anybody, man, and they're doing something wrong, and you want to address it. Um, you kind of need permission for that. There has to be a trust level there, right. you know what I mean, to be able to have the openness to go ahead and say. So I had my tour manager Ted one time. I was sharing. We we did it. We were on tour, and I did my testimony in one place, and the next night we were going to the next place. And on the way, he actually looked over at me. He's like, "Can I tell you something?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You're not gonna like it." I was like, "All right, go ahead." He has that permission because of our relationship. Right. He just said, man, when you're sharing your testimony, it almost seems there's, there's one part there where it just seems like you're glorifying the wrong things. And mm-hmm. I was like, dude, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, didn't yeah. want to hear it. Yeah. Didn't want to hear it. Cause I've been telling my testimony the same way for a decade, you know? Um, but having have he had that permission and was comfortable yeah. to do that. I feel like at this point in my career, if you will, or in my ministry, I've been blessed to, develop that permission yeah to to say okay well this is something that i that i can address so going back to your to your question on how i you know accept the things that god tells me to just go do and just go do them um 
It is. It's just that, man. Like I just, I just, I trust, I trust that he's going to be honest in his word. I don't question that at all. Um, and, and, and I, I just believe that at the end of the day, if I do what he asks me to do, it's like you said earlier, the return is going to be great, you know, and I don't have to worry about that. And so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it is. And now, like I said, looking back, I, I believe that it was, you know, for, it was all of that stuff, um, going into those small places or going into places where I definitely, it was awkward even walking to the stage, you know, um, I, I know what it was for now. And That's and true. I look at, too, like some of it, my biggest wins, like, okay, yeah, c- people coming to the altar and accepting the Lord, of course. That's the that's the peak. That's the pinnacle. But I did a show in, uh, in, in St. John one night, and I finished the show, and I was back at the table, and I was doing the merch thing, because that's my favorite place to be after a show is with the people, right? So I'm, I'm back at the table, and... A little lady, like she was, she she was in her eighties, and like when I tell you that she her her in height, she just came up to the top of my where my stomach is, oh, right, <laughs> right. And she looks, she she grabs she grabs me by the arm, and she looks looks up at me and like that, and she says, uh, she goes, young man, I didn't understand a word you said, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go, <laughs> right, I'm like here we go. She said, but. I knew I could feel that you just loved the Lord and you were just worshiping the Lord up there. So you just keep doing what you're doing. And bro, that for me was so, so huge, man. Like that was because ultimately that was, that was God's way of telling me, you just go, go do it. I'll take care of the rest. You don't, it's not free. That, that extra stuff isn't for you to worry about. And again, the, the mafia stuff is one thing. But it's also the team challenge model too. Yeah. Like one of the things I learned the first, like my first week in team challenge was the director at the time was Remy Legacy, man. And Remy just told me point blank, uh, you're not here to change team challenge. It's here to change you. And that, that was it. So you're going to do things like that. I tell you because I tell you and you're going to do them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and the, the end game, the end result, you might not see it at the time. Like, I'll share this because I share. I just actually shared it with a Team Challenge student a couple weeks ago. Um, was that like my last two months in the program were absolute hell? And no, I didn't use the wrong word. It, it's exactly what it was, right? Yeah. Because Remy set out to make it miserable for me, but for a reason that he wouldn't tell me until afterwards. And what it was was I still I'm about to graduate this program, go back out in, out into the world, and. You know, I I got a bunch of scripture memorized. I know how to love people, but my anger is still a huge problem, and I can't figure that out. And so what he would do was he would just do stupid little nitpicky things to me, right? Like one day, like you're only allowed to have one coffee, right? And and everybody gets the same size mug or whatever, right? And he came into the cafeteria, and he took my mug, and he just said, like, your mug's too big. You got, you, you got the wrong size mug. He took my coffee, wow. right? So I go upstairs completely ruined for the day now in my head right like i'm just i'm angry now like i'm just you know but at about 10 o'clock that morning like we're sitting through chapel and i realize like why am i even mad like (laughs) it's a coffee man like i'm gonna get another one tomorrow he didn't take away my snacks and at the time that was my most important part of the program was snack time so (laughs) it was like he didn't mess with that like you know, like why? Why am I angry? You know, and and so I started working on those things myself, without even realizing 
what it was. And now, and now I know some people will be like, well, I mean, is that necessarily the right approach? Listen, man, when my, my father passed away right before I went into the program oh, and Remy, uh, Remy sat down with me and told me that, of course, he can't replace my father, but I'd never feel like I didn't have one. Wow. And he stood behind that all the time. Remy's the first person to put his foot in my butt when I do wrong, even now to this day. He's also still the first person to call me and tell me he's proud of me for something that I did too. You know what I mean? And so, so even through all that, right? Like I'm what it's stuff's happening and he's really grinding me, you know, but I'm learning so much because I'm going, I'm walking away, I'm dealing with it. And by the end of the day, sometimes it takes longer than others, but by the end of the day, I'm coming out and I'm just like, well, was that even worth it? Like, was that a reason to be angry? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's different stuff, you know, like there's yeah. stuff to actually be angry about. Yeah. Us two sips of coffee isn't it, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, like just but that that was the model of Teen Challenge, especially even at that time. Like it, it, it's a lot more a lot more. There's a lot more ability to deal with internal stuff in the program now than there was 10 years ago. Ten years ago, it was pray about it and deal with it go <laughs> you know now they work through stuff which i'm i'm super grateful for but at the time the way the program was designed was what i needed yeah and i needed him to be that way with me man because he said he lay, again he laid the groundwork to have permission right he started out with you know your father's gone and i can't replace him yeah, yeah. but you'll never be without one that's that was the, that was the foundation so then when it when he took my coffee shoot i can get over that man cuz i know you love me Right? Yeah, I know yeah. where it's coming from. Yeah, my and gosh, so that that mind. that program was a lot of why I kind of because like some of the crazy rules, like if your bed wasn't made properly, you get a discipline ticket, right? Oh, like if if you're if you're if you're thirty seconds late for one of the programs that you're supposed to be in, you get a ticket for that. Like, so yeah. I just learned to accept things that even though they don't make sense to me, or even if I think they're dumb, <laughs> right? Oh, like. Oh, you just go ahead and do it. So there's things that I'll never sit here and call God dumb, but yeah, there's yeah. things that he, he'll he ask me to do. And I'm like, I really feel like that. I know you're in charge, but I feel like that's a waste of my time. Yeah, yeah. man. If you, okay. How true, how true have you found, like, if you find yourself in a place where you need to be humbled, submissive and surrendered, you are probably on the right track of God doing some something great in you or for you or through every you. Time. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's, it's, it's hard every time, but it's like, it's almost like an indicator, right? Like if I'm feeling like I got to be humble right now, yeah. it's probably an indication that God's at work. Or if I feel like I got to like give up my right to be right right now, or like die yeah. to self right now, uh, yeah. there's probably a, it should be a flashing light saying, yeah, God is, God is about to, you know, as you yeah. stand down. I don't know though, even if we had the flashing light, it, it would still suck. I don't know if it would make it easier for me yeah. even with the flashing light. I mean, you still gotta, you still gotta do it, but at least, you know, like there's, there's like an indicator. It's an indicator light saying, Hey, this is what's going on behind here. Hang in there. Yeah. Man, that's, that's so good. Hey, I want to two more, two more like topics of conversation question. Yeah. I want to hear about what's, you know, give me the rundown on the album ventilation two. Um, when we're done, I'm going to play uh first track off of that. People can hear that. And where can they find, where can they find, uh, you know, your, your, your website, find you on iTunes. I know that for sure. Yeah. So anywhere, anywhere you listen to music, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's all there. Uh, you can you can get it there. Um, and all of my social media. Um, so if you look, the name is spelt there on the bottom there. Um, for listeners, so. for listeners, it's one like you know the word one eight, and then the the number eight, and then T like as in T E A. Yeah. So O N E A T E A. Yeah. So really good music, man. Yeah. So that that album, man. Like so, Ventilation One was actually the start of something that I had no idea I was going to be starting. Like I said, like that uh, the first Ventilation actually started with the have mercy song okay um it was never intended to be an album but then the song took off and i'm just like well i'm also a business person in my head too and i should probably capitalize on this and put an album out and so but the idea of that album was i wanted to talk about um so ventilation one i wanted to talk about all of the things that you know over my music career if you will i've been very conscious and mindful about not saying the wrong thing Mm very much uh making music for my audience you know and you don't do that intentionally all the time and you don't necessarily realize it but it happens man and i started looking back at some of my music and i'm like you know um i don't talk about there's nowhere in my other songs where i talk about failing as a father because i've done that why won't i share that you know i've never talked about the pornography stuff why you know what i mean like all the stuff that i you know i've never talked about being black in north america like you know what i mean because i don't want to offend anybody or upset anybody or anything like that and then it just came about that like with the first ventilation i was like i've been trying to be done doing this you know so i'm not there's nothing to say the hold in the tank man so i'm just gonna vent man yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say all the stuff (laughs) that I always wanted to say, I'm going to get it off my chest. I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm going to speak to the people outside of the building, but also really speak to the people in it too, you know, and, and and it's going to, some of it's going to be painful. Some of it's going to be aggressive. You know, some of it's going to be just look, man, here's my issue, man. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm doing right now. And some of it will also even be a bit of an argument with God, like Mm -hmm. on vent on the song ventilation on ventilation one, like that, that whole song, is me upset with God and telling him that I'm upset with him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I know you said this, but this is yeah. what I'm seeing. Right, right. What are you doing? You yeah. know? Which is so, crazy. Like, like the, I mean, that's such an important thing, though, man. Like, the, just the people, the, especially, like, the people of God need authenticity. Right. You know, I, we can have a whole conversation about, you know, the culture and the, and the, the world that we live in. You know, they need, they, I think there's a time where, there's an appetite for truth, like no time in our, in like at least yours in my lifetime, but within the church, like just that, like that need for authenticity and how often do we get caught? Just like you said, cause I, I recognize exactly what you're saying as a preacher, that there's a lot of times where I'm tempted to say, to preach a message of what I think you want to hear or what I think you need to hear the best ones. And the ones that have been the most anointed have been the ones I just got to get off my chest. Right. Right. Like it's just something that God's done in me or saying to me. And I just like, whether this helps you or not, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it rip. And well, I found um, that resonates with people way more. Well, even like the way both of these albums have come about. So ventilation two, we'll, I'll go to that really quick. So ventilation two, that album actually came off of the heels of me writing a song called, I guess it's complicated, which, um, which was a song that again, it was after, you know, the George Floyd stuff happened. And I got on to, uh, 
I did a, a an interview conversation with uh, Pastor Pat at my church. Uh, we did it online and all, and all of that, and that, that was good. And um, but one of the things that I that I said, and and I firmly stand behind this, even though it's exhausting, is that you know if we're going to tell people that we want them to listen to us, then we have to be willing to have the conversation. That's wisdom. And so and so I just. Again, I'm like, okay, well, rather than talk to 100 individual people, how can I do this in a way where it says everything I need to say mm-hmm. and gets the point across? And so I, I wrote this song, man. I was down here and I was like, I was kind of trying to work through the, the the George Floyd stuff. And my wife, again, like she's just such a special person where like stuff like that, she'll give me my space yeah. to just deal you know, like I knew she was emotional. She was hurting for me, but she didn't understand it. And in that moment, I needed to be understood, not so much consoled, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and I and I wasn't going to go outside of the outside of my house to go get that either. So it was kind of a weird position for her to be in right? because she wants to console me. And I'm like, that's not what I need right now. Right now, I just need to I need to scream and I need to be understood, but I need people to know that the screaming isn't necessarily coming from a place of anger. It's yeah. in there, but I'm hurt, man. Like I'm broken. I feel like every couple of weeks I have, to, I don't even have time to mourn these brothers that I'm seeing getting killed in the street because I got to go ahead and get ready for the next one. Cause it's coming, you know, like, and that's heavy. So I came downstairs, man. And I was just crying. Like I was actually bawling. And I, what I was doing, I was watching, um, I was watching YouTube videos of the reactions Uh-oh. and basically what was happening, what I was seeing was this, the world was burning down is what I was watching. It, like that's how I was reading it. Right. The world was burning down and I found myself in a place of, I didn't know if I disliked it or was okay with it. Hmm. Like I didn't know where I, I couldn't, this was the first time in my life that I couldn't pinpoint what side I landed on something whether right or wrong, I couldn't put my, and even internally, because I won't always voice where I land on things. Mm -hmm. But in this one, even personally, if I was to ask myself, am I okay with everything being on fire right now? I couldn't give myself a definite answer for that. And that was breaking me even more. I was like, am I at a place now where I'm so broken behind behind this now that like even the bad things that are happening behind this thing, I'm okay with, Yeah. you know, like, is that where I am now? Because that's also not a place where I want to be, you know? So I'm dealing with all of that. And again, God being as great as he is, just started giving me words, man. And I honestly, I just started writing. Like I just started writing. I didn't have the beat for it or anything like that. I just started writing words down, man. And, and so like, I wish I had it with me, man. I'll I'll actually send it to you on Instagram or something. But, like, I've got a bunch of little pieces of paper because that song didn't even come together. It was just, like, I'd be sitting here and I'd write something down. Get it off your chest. Boom, now move it aside, right? I actually learned that in a a church. I was at uh, Sun Life Community Church in Dartmouth, man. I remember being there, and that was one of the things the pastor did that Sunday was write write this thing you're carrying down. I know you've seen the illustration. Write this thing down that you're carrying. Bring it up here. We're going to pin it to this tree or whatever, and it's gone. So it's a habit. I get into it every once in a while. So I started doing that. I'd write, boom, okay, get rid of that. Boom, get rid of that. Boom, get rid of that. And then I started looking at, like, well, wait a minute. Like, how am I going to now help somebody else? Because now I'm in two places, right? I've got 
I've got the black community who, um, who I, I'm a part of, man, and I'm hurting for us, and, and and I'm just as angry as you are, and I'm trying to work this thing out, man, and 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 make it make sense to me. And then on the other side, I have an open door to the white ear that a lot of us don't. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, what do I do in this situation? Because t- really. And I remember uh, Matt Thomas saying it like, really? No, I don't want to talk about this with you right now. Yeah. But I know I have to, (laughs) you know? And so anyway, I went back and and I just, I I was going through, I was just, I I go beat shopping once a week, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, My my wife hates that because I also have a huge appetite for sneakers. And so the fact that I'm looking at $300 instrumentals at the same time is very frustrating for her, right? But I do every week. And I was sitting there and this, this instrumental started and it had the sample in it where it said, it's complicated. I shouldn't ever have to feel this way. Every time I try to walk away, you try, I, I, you're going to have to learn to love me better. Right. And I was just like, oh man, like that is saying, it, it was, it was saying so much to me that mm-hmm. I kept repeating it. You're just going to have to learn to love me better. And, and, and my, and, and I meant that for all of us as a community, right? Yeah. And my, my, my next thing was, okay, well, if I'm going to put that on somebody, well, if I'm telling you, you have to learn to do something, then I have to teach you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, I, I just, I value that in, in, in men, especially I value that. I love it when a brother comes alongside of me and says, look, we're going to, I coach basketball. I love it when I tell one of the kids to do something and I actually get on the floor with them, the look on their face that they, that they give you mm-hmm. as you're going through that. I mean, you're a leader, man. So when you get beside somebody, it's way different than getting in front of them and telling them something. Getting beside them is way different, man. When they come into your office and you sit in a chair directly with them, man, and, and they can see your eyes, like, you know. So I was just like, yo, this thing is really talking to me. So I went back and I started grabbing those little pieces of paper, man, because at the time it wasn't a song. It was just this this topic, boom, get it off, boom. So if you listen to that song, you'll see that, it covers so much in such a short little bit of the time because they were all different emotions I was going through while I'm sitting here watching YouTube videos and crying and being angry and, and so on and so on and so on, right? And so they all ended up coming together for that song. But then again, I put the song out and there were people, again, like even from my own church that were reaching out to me who, you know, like... I'll, 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 I'll share this. There was one guy, I won't say his name because that's not fair, but there was one guy who I was convinced, I was convinced that I'm the token black guy he knows. Like 100%. No knock on him. He wasn't never, he was never mean to me. I just didn't trust that if there was a situation and he was in a circle and somebody was saying something about me, yeah. that he, I didn't trust he'd stop it. Right. <laughs> right. But he called me after that song came out and he called me on the phone and he was just crying, man. And he was just like, man, he said, I feel like, I feel like I, I, I feel like I've offended you. And I'm like, bro, like, listen, you know enough about me to know that if you ever did, I would tell you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I, I have, I have the gift and the curse of being able to move on. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of my thing, man. Like, you know, I can, we don't, we don't have to, be, I can love you from over here. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to be like this. Right. And so um, when he's, we had, and we got into this conversation and he was just telling me how that song moved them. And and he just felt the need 
to call and apologize for if he's ever. And I was just like, okay, this thing has legs, right? Because God, God was teaching me something about this man that was total opposite of what I thought of him, you know? So it wasn't just, it wasn't just for him or, or for the people that were about to hear it. God started building something for me too, where it was, all right, now, because you do some of exactly what you're saying in this song. Right. Right. You know, uh, uh, like some of why you're upset about a lot of this is because you act, it actually makes really good sense to you. And you know why (laughs) it makes good sense because you can relate to it, you know, on the other side. Right. And so that really was one of those things where I was like, all right, well, here we are, you know? And then I also said like, this is an opportunity for me to take this topic of injustice and, how the church deals with it. Because I got to be honest with you, man, for the most part, I felt like we really struck out, uh, you know? Yeah, and, I, and I was like, but at the same time, I didn't want that to be a condemning thing. I didn't want it to come across like we struck out because we weren't swinging. We struck out because I feel like we were unprepared. And that's something that, that's on us, but that's on all of us. You know what I mean? That, 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 that is, that, like, that's a, that's a everybody issue. You know, and I felt like we weren't we weren't ready to deal with the people hurting in this on this subject because we're so mission focused outside of our area or outside of our that we don't stop enough to see that the guy next to me is actually hurting and could use my my mission work right right here right now. Um, Like the whole reason I do my ministry in Canada, mostly like I've had opportunities to go cross border and all of that. But like Pastor Buckingham, Pastor B, the the legend, mm-hmm. actually took me aside. I remember when I first started doing this and, and I remember going into his office and you're gonna laugh at me, but it's okay. You can do it this time. I went into his office and I sat down with him and he still laughs about it too, is um I sat down with him and I said, you know, Pastor, I know what I know, but I don't know if I'm actually saved. Right. And he was like, which which was a genuine question for me at the time. So bear with me. You do get the laugh. Right. It's a genuine question at the time. And he said, well, he said, why do you say that? And I said, well, I have zero desire to go on a mission trip. And I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Like, you you know, you you accept the Lord and then you go on a mission trip. Now you're saved. Right. (laughs) And he said to me, he said, do you ever notice how your eyes light up when somebody mentions youth in Canada? I was like, yeah. Young man, that's your mission field. Yeah, go do yeah. it, right? And I was just like, like the that gave me a certain level of freedom to go, right? Like, because I've always viewed him just as a as a as a hero to me, man. Like, and I know, I know, I'm preaching to the choir. It's the same for a lot of us, right? But um, that that was hearing that from him was huge. And then Jay Muir was the other one, man. Jay came to me and was like, "I'm putting you on stage," and I was like, "Not, not that one. You're not." <laughs> He was, oh yeah, we're doing it. Right. And he, and so like, and what people don't know, I've told Jay, but what people don't know is while I was in Teen Challenge, there were two things that I spoke that I didn't know God was going to do, man, but it was important for me to know that God was listening. One of them was I was going to meet Fresh IE, who's the guy that signed me to my first Christian label, Kingdom Music. I'm wearing the hoodie now. Um, So Fresh IE, I was going to, I saw him in a magazine. I was like, I'm going to meet him. Secondly, our home church at the time was Moncton Wesley, and I said, I'm going to perform on that stage, right? Like, I, I was like, I'm going to do that. And God saw both of those through. So when we talk about when you follow him and you serve him, 
the fact that his word does say that he, he wants to honor the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. He did that for me. I don't have any, any, any arguments there as far as he goes, but yeah, this, this whole album became that man. It became another vent session. It became a, here's how I'm dealing with what's going on, man. And, and like, so like, and I went out and I got I got poetry onto this one, man, like just so that you could hear it in spoken word versions. And, you know, and and we talked, I, I wanted to share with people that God was way bigger than all of the stuff that's happening around us because it is happening and we can't yeah. deny that. That's right. But yeah. at the end of the day, God is so much bigger than it. So there's a song on there just called Bigger Than that it was really just about that. And then the Jesus is song is probably one of my favorites on the whole project, just because, again, like that. The guy who produced that instrumental and that that sample is saying Jesus is. So let's put that into consideration real quick. The guy who produced that beat, I did dirt with him before ever becoming saved. And now he's producing beats that say Jesus is. And I didn't ask for that beat. He sent it to me. Hey, brother, you think you could use this to the glory of God? Those were his words. (laughs) You know, and so. So, again, coming back to the whole, you know, taking off the, you know, doing things for people, doing things for people to receive rather than actually just doing them to glorify God and getting it off my chest. Um, Those two projects are my most, again, my most successful albums. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and ventilation too, like that thing hit number one on iTunes, man, in Canada. And that's, that's my first number one, like off again. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. And I and I always tell people like the reason that these albums, the ventilation series is happening now is because I retired after Reverend. So these are all borrowed time ones, man. And I'm just letting it all out now. (laughs) Playing with house money. (laughs) That's that's so good, man. It's like you're just you're a huge encouragement and I I honor you and the album's killer, dude. Like I worked out I bumped it at the gym the other day and it was uh it's awesome. So people gotta check it out. Uh, one more uh, just important, important question, topic of conversation. Yeah. See the Lakers jerseys behind your head. 100%. You're a Lakers fan, so you're feeling good right now. I, I feel great. I feel, <laughs> I, feel absolutely, I feel absolutely terrific. I feel like we're going after another one. Um, <laughs> oh, I think it's locked. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate feel- to see that. I feel really, really good about it. I mean, so okay. I'm I, I'm I'm a two team guy. So just so that we're clear, okay. I'm a Raptor guy and okay. I'm a Laker guy. So here's the thing: I was I've been a Laker guy since Showtime. So since Magic and those guys were just killing the league, like mm-hmm. that's when I first became a Laker fan. And I and then Kobe came along, and I was just like I was just blown away by him. But I'm a Raptor fan because I'm Canadian, first of all, and like there's a there's a there's a certain attitude about that team, man, about that organization and, and who that like I I love it. I thrive on it. Like just that we're just gonna Masai Ujiri does things that man you just don't do man. them and he does them and they work out. And I'm just like, I love that attitude. Like that's the kind yeah. of person I wanna be. I'm just gonna do it because yeah. I think it's right. <laughs> and then we'll see who let it, let it play out, you know. They do represent Canada well in that kind of gritty sort of lunch. I don't need I don't need to talk about it. I'm just going to show up and play, you know. Kyle Lowry kind of sets the pace with that, man. So All-time greatest raptor, man. I don't care what anyone says. I'll fight anybody about it. Facts. 
We are in 100% agreement there. Uh, a buddy of mine actually had uh, had Rob Polinka. He interviewed Rob Polinka last week for his podcast. Oh, that's Jeez, awesome! Eh? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. So yeah. yeah, well, we got we we'll have to we'll have to get out on a court sometime and uh, man, yeah. So I well, uh, I saw you played you played with a with a few buddies of mine too up there. So yeah, you posted something with uh, Dwayne Marcial and a couple other people yeah. and I was playing ball. I was like. Dwayne actually, when I was doing secular hip hop, Dwayne was my manager. DJ Slim. Yeah. The, yeah. the one. Uh, I was, uh, he, he was on my team when we, we won. Well, we're still, we're still the reigning St. John Masters champions. <laughs> uh, so, cause we never finished last season. It got right. destroyed because of COVID. So we still retain the belt. And, uh, yeah, Dwayne was on that team. So it's good, good fun, man. Dwayne and, uh, yeah, just a bunch of good guys on that group. So, yeah, yeah man. Well, hey, you have been uh, a ton of fun to talk to. Somehow we just flew through like almost 90 minutes, like no problem. Yeah. At all. So we'll have to do this again sometime. And, Absolutely. Uh, man. And uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna play one of your songs on the way out for people to hear. And then I would encourage people to go check out, check out 180 stuff online, iTunes, on YouTube. Yep. YouTube, uh, Spotify, MySpace. Name it, I'm there. I, you know, I just got a notification that the album's on Napster, bro. So, like, I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Napster. There we go. Yeah. Th- thank you, brother. I appreciate you being uh, being willing to jump on here today. And we'll, uh, I'm excited. Just excited for what God's done in your life. And uh, I think there's much more yet to come. So Yeah, man. 100% yeah. appreciate being on here, man. Like, this, is, this, this has been the highlight of this podcast. Uh, this album oh, or i guess if you will this this is this is huge man like i'm i'm a, i'm a huge huge respecter of you brent like i mean that Thank like you. big time like I, I i follow what you do and 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 i and i watch and you're a great example to us um who are who are out here you know just trying to serve the king man and 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 i'm just i'm grateful for your leadership even if it's from afar man so just Thanks, man. wanted to share that with you likewise feel the same thanks brother all right brother Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tia as much as I did. And as promised, here is the opening track called Smiled on Me off of 180's latest album, Ventilation 2. I encourage you to go check it out. Pick it up in the iTunes store or Spotify or wherever music's found. You're going to be glad you did. It's awesome. Here's Smiled on Me. And hey, everybody, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We will see you in 2021. I brought you about 
the grave, so don't worry, my boy, you're safe. You told me I could send you, so I'm hoping you're packed. And when they ask you how you got there, you can tell them in fact that... Display of his just wrath or his cosmic power. 